Welcome everybody to the Animation Station Podcast, episode 211. My name is Josh, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, um, The Lawnmower. I hope you guys enjoy it. He's a he's a he's a turning guest uh, who likes to come on. Uh, but we also have another guest, uh, Mr. Adam Lawson. How's it? It's going good. It's going good. Thanks uh, for having me, Josh. Oh, you are a you're you're a TV showrunner. You're an artist. Artist. You're. Uh, I believe a Seahawks fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, just for you know, some of our listeners, can you? Yeah, so I'm I'm a television show I've been for the last um, eight years. Uh, so I'm currently running is a show called Escape the Night uh, Originals, and it's a fantasy horror um, starring Jerry Graceffa, who is awesome. And uh, it's and uh, it's been a really special time. I did, I did a lot of work in the gaming with space. Uh, I produced tabletop shows. Um, also, another show called Spellsling, Force Gray, and Sagas of Sundry. And so, I've worked a great in gaming and uh, I should say game yeah. and uh, traditional television. And um, I have a love of uh, geek things such as gaming and Dungeons and Dragons. And it's been a fun way to those hobbies into my work. Um, and that's that's kind of a little about myself. I moved to Los Angeles. Almost uh, 17 years, so this is this is home. To and uh, I love I love, love telling stories. And comic books are maybe kind of right because before you you know at least back when I was camera on your phone, you didn't have any of that. So the only way to tell vision through comics, and uh, they they they're part of my blood. So actually, going into uh, comic shops, I think is something that I I haven't seen a comic shop recently. Like there's not one near me. So mm-hmm. like it's it's one of those things like I feel like it's dying except like comics are still big, so like, I don't know if maybe that's like an Amazon thing and like you just get all of your comics from there. So like yeah, but no, I, I remember you know going into you know comic book shops when I was a kid and picking up you know trying to find like old X Men and like old uh, old Robin and Teen Titans stuff from the, right. good, the good old days like the george perez and i've got some of those like my george perez like teen titans ones because i remember like trying to find those and like flipping through and i'm reading them and being like "Ooh, robin turned into a different person crazy like it like right. blew my little like nine-year-old mind um but no yeah like so how did you what, what was little adam like growing up so like were you like super big in the comics i know you mentioned you know tabletops and board games and uh, like comics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that there was like sort of three driving factors in my in my childhood. You know, um, one is I had five sisters who were awesome, and I was pals with them. And and then I had um, theater was a, a big drive for me. I was I was in plays and kind of did them year round, and so I was in the land of make believe and um, <clears throat> and Dungeons and Dragons. Right, these are kind of my three big components and um and comic books are seemed like the, the the logical extension of that and so i've kind of always been in this land of make believe whether creating it on a stage or in a fantasy realm or reading it and uh and so uh, as you can imagine cinema is where i went with my career so i thought that was that was early me you know i remember sitting in my room like when i was in the fourth grade with uh, this this book, these these fantasy novels called the Dragonlance Chronicles okay. by Margaret and Tracy Hickman, um, old school um, you know fantasy stories, and I remember reading them in my room alone, and I would kind of like read a chapter and then kind of like 
act out in my mind if I was in the in the book, right? How I would have maybe done it a little different, or you know, like oh, there was a moment where they really where Caramon he smashed two goblins' heads together, and I'm, and I kind of imagine me doing that, and so I think that those uh, those moments are what shaped who I am, you know, creatively as a as a storyteller, whether in comics or in television. And uh, I can't, I guess I'm grateful for <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, if you will, and for uh, writers of fantasy and, uh, and comic books. I remember like one of my <clears throat> first comic book um, moments, you know, like I remember I was probably about 13 years old and I was going to the dentist. And um, the dentist was, was about to draw my teeth. And, um, and um, I, I, in my mind, I imagined myself as Colossus from the X-Men, right? And like I just focused on that's who I was. And so I shouldn't feel this pain, right? And it kind of got me through, it got me through the whole experience, right? Oh, I'm Colossus. And I would just f- focus on that. And now, you know, a couple decades later when I'm at the dentist, I still imagine I'm Colossus and I shouldn't feel this. Uh, to get through it. That's awesome. Like, okay, so so were you? Did you play like D and D growing up, or was it something that you found out later? Oh, you know, I totally did. It was uh, my next door neighbor, John Bogart, who is a fabulous person. Um, he introduced me to it, and I think that probably came about you know third, fourth grade that it came into play. And his old he had two other brothers, Richard and David, and like. We were part of this pack, and I we would play D anD D. And then as I got older, you know, fifth, sixth grade, junior high school, I would start being the dungeon master, and we would have these sleepovers every every weekend where we would get together, go to the grocery store, buy treats, and play Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gathering. And so, um, yes, yeah, so I think that one of the great things about that is is Dungeons and Dragons. In that process, you have to build the characters and you have to build the story. Mm-hmm. And that character building process was something I, I loved almost as much as the playing. And I think that character building process has been, I, I still apply it when I'm writing a, a TV show. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it, was, it was deep in me and uh, a part of the kind of, kind of fabric of my every, my every week, especially in the early days from like, you know, third, fourth grade all the way till you know, junior, senior year. Nice. Yeah, like I, I didn't find D and D until probably, oh geez, maybe like five years ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, because like I, it's like I knew about it, but I had no one to play with. So like I had, right. I had a, a like a five E dungeon guy that I would just like flip through and just like look at all the pretty pictures and like try and learn everything. Um, but yeah, like uh, so, did you still play now? I do. In fact, I have a group that's going to meet tonight on Zoom. Oh, nice. So, in fact, I've got to take it even next farther. So, I, I created a new uh, fantasy role-playing game called Asunder, uh, which has taken me a couple of years as well, which has been the works. And I have a group that plays that as well. And so, uh, yeah, so it's still part of the fabric. It hadn't been like, you know, it kind of fell away in my early 20s. And then it was like – and then a whole decade went by, you know, of making television where I was far away from it and then – and then I started doing tabletop with Will, and and then all that stuff kind of kind of came back into my life. Yeah, you know, in my in my thirties. So well, it's it's weird that like now, like if if you were if you were to you know ask a little uh, like the twelve year old you uh, playing in fourth grade with your friends that Dungeons and Dragons was going to be like part of main, mainstream pop culture now, 
Like, that's something, like, I wouldn't have believed even, like, ten years ago. Like, people no, are going to be like, no. yeah, D&D &D is great, and not, like, in a, like, Big Bang Theory, like, making fun of it type of way. You know, like, like an actual, right. like, oh, no, yeah, this is an actual thing that people are going to get, you know, very passionate about. Um, which, yeah. like, I, I love, like, so, okay, first off, first off, because now I'm interested. Tell me more about Asunder, because... Oh, yeah, so Asunder is, um, it's a dark fantasy role-playing game. It's set in a world without metal, and it's a world that's eating and destroying itself. So the people of the world have bonded with the plants and like have reshaped them into biological weapons and tools, mm -hmm. and they've connected with the animals, and so they can, they can communicate with animals. They can build these cool organic weapons, and some of them, like, as a small percentage, you can even manipulate insects and reshape them and gain insect-like qualities. Uh, but the world is destroying itself, um, and there are some who believe it is and some who believe it isn't, and there are governors vying for power, and there's this thing called chaos, which is like this leftover element from the gods that's super addictive to humans but also kills you. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, so it's like this um, – and so then much of it is uh, the, the nature of the campaigns is to set you right in the center of the action, right at the scene of a crime, right in the middle of the fight, and then figure your way out of the story with your, with your characters. And uh, what's nice about it is, is there's this sort of foreboding sense, you know, that's painting the skies, if you will, and you're, try and you're seekers in this game instead of players or adventurers. You're seekers and you're seeking answers to why are things coming to an end. Oh, dude, that sounds super fun. Like, okay, so where can I play this? Uh, well, you... <laughs> oh, here's, you, here's the thing, like, I, you can only play in my basement every fourth Wednesday of the new year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that will be the follow-up campaign to this. I, I've been working on it for the last, about, it's now about three or four years. The art's all done. It's fi finalizing layout. And I've been playing it, you know, privately in, in, in groups, and there's been groups of play testers across the country who've been playing it. Um... But as soon as it lands, you will get a free copy. Oh, I mean, dude, I don't even gotta be a free copy. Like, I'll pay for it. Like, that's yeah. like, like, I'll pay for it. I just want to play it now because that sounds awesome. Because uh, that's one of Thank the you. things, like, especially during this uh, wonderful time in our lives, uh, where we're basically stuck at home, uh, right. that we can actually still play things. So it gives you a little bit of time to actually go and learn something. Like I've started doing uh, DMing for some of my friends. Uh, one lives in New York and the other two are in way. Fresno. Um, other audiobook narrator friends uh, and just Disney nerds. So like we've like I've known them for a while and so we ended up uh, I don't know what we were talking about. One of them was like, yeah, I, I kind of want to get into Dungeons and Dragons. So I was like, okay, like I've loved Dungeons. I play Dungeons and Dragons. Let's do Dungeons and Dragons. So like I've been DMing for them and we've been having a fun little time. They're crazy people. Um, right. They, they are doing that new uh, Dungeons and Dragons thing where they want to kill everything. Like, yes, 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 yes. And, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, by the time this episode comes out, it'll already have happened. But I'm basically setting them up for a larger campaign. So there's going to be they're going to meet a vampire. They're basically at his house. They've been invited to this party. Um, oh, this and, is cool. And they're either going to die on Saturday or they're going to escape. Because like I was telling one of them, I was like, "Listen, man, there are some times where 
just surviving is better than winning. Like that is winning. Cause like, this is a guy right. who is going to be a, I want like right now you guys are level five. Cause I let you be level five. <laughs> Cause I was like, right. I'm just going to have okay, really these... regrets. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What was that? Oh no, no. Sorry. Keep going. You're saying, yeah, cause I let you be level five. Sorry. Keep going. Oh, sorry. I thought you said really quick rant. I'm sorry. Uh, I was like, I thought you were going to be like, never start anybody at level five. No. Uh, but like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like starting people at level one. Cause I think that's boring. Like at least let me be my class, you know, like let me be level three at least. Um, so like I started them at five because I was like, I want you guys to have, you know, your extra attacks and everything. And then like your leveling up is going to be up to my discretion. Um, since you're, they're already ridiculously OP right now. Um, but I, I was like, listen, this guy, like, you're not going to, I don't want you to fight until like level like 10, 15. So if you guys try and fight him, you will all die. Because this dude, like, I've given him magic i've given him everything that he can possibly have so like I, the magic weapons are the only thing that can hurt him and right now only one of you has a magic weapon so maybe not attack him right, right now so it's it's one of those like i i love him to death but like they are like killing me slowly inside because <laughs> right uh, <laughs> right well i think that there is something to like i think that's what i tried to do with asunder um was to make it so that combat was playable and it was fun, right? Because I think that people want that in a fantasy role-playing game, but that your health never grew too big. Yeah. So, so, which is like how it is in your life. You don't just all of a sudden you can take tons of damage, you know? Unless and you're so, on PCP. Is there like a, a weird thing like PCP in the game where you can take... There is. There okay. is. Because these plants can like give you like drugs, but um, and, like amp you up. But, um, but yeah, but like was it your health never got so big so that combat was always a bit of a, like a risk. Like you could get, it was, it was a decent chance you could get killed. So, um, I think it makes it, I, like you're saying, it makes it more fun mm -hmm. when people feel like a real risk in combat versus just like, we're rolling the dice to see how this happens. It's yeah. like, you can get wiped out. Running away is a real option. Hiding is a real option. Exactly, yeah. And, um, I get that. Cause I agree that I'm sure for you as the, the dungeon master, you're like, guys, Oh, I had this whole plan, and you didn't even talk to the guy. You just yeah. stabbed him for a thing. Uh, yeah, it, it's we we did one with a uh, some some voice actor friends that comes out. Uh, the episode comes out in June. Um, oh, cool! So that what we did it at. We went to a uh, like you you have like the guild hall in Burbank. Yeah. Yes, we we went yeah. we went there and we recorded a like two and a half hour That's Dungeons awesome. and Dragons episode. Um, so like, we yeah. played with them I and loves the guild hall. Oh, yeah. I love it. Like, the, unfortunately the closest one to me now is like, you know, 20 something miles away. So seven and a half Ooh. hours by California driving. Um, yeah. so, uh, that's one thing like coming from Oklahoma, like it, it is incredible. Like 20 miles in Oklahoma is 20 minutes. Cause like you're basically going 60 down the highway. So you're going to get there easily. Yeah. Um, right. So we, uh, so we played there, and it was Adam MacArthur from Disney's Star vs. the Forces of Evil, uh, his, uh, uh, his first time playing Dungeons & Dragons. So That's he awesome. was the most chaotic character I've ever seen. Like... I, I was we just did a little one shot, so I was like, "You're in a bar," because that's the easiest way to start Dungeons and Dragons campaign. You're in a bar, um, right? I know, I know. <laughs> See, right? That, I tried. That's why I tried the sundry. I was like, "You no campaign starts in a bar. They all start at the scene of a crime." 
oh, in the middle a of a fight idea. as the secret is being told, right? Because it's like otherwise you have this thing and you get invited to be mercenaries and now you're chasing a caravan and et cetera. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like I, I usually start the campaign with you're in an alley. There's a body in front of you. There's a woman up top screaming from the alley. You just stepped in here. Somebody's calling for the militia, and they're going to be here in three rounds. What do you do? Game on. Yeah. Like, right. oh, see, so that, that's a great idea. Like, that I sounds awesome. Uh, but no, yeah, like, so like, I was, like, starting a bar. So first thing he does, like, there's uh, one of them is playing, uh, like, the big uh, uh, eagle people. Uh, and I can't remember what their name are. Their names are, uh, and he gets startled easily. That was part of his character, like because he's a bird, he gets startled right. easily. So okay. <laughs> he, the bartender, goes up and he gets startled, and then Adam is like, "I punch him in the face," and you're like, "The the bartender?" Be like, "Yeah." Be like, "The guy that was gonna give you your quest." All right, roll the hit, and he gets like a natty nineteen, and I'm like. Course. yeah you, you hit him you've probably given him a concussion and so like he was out for a while and i was just like all right then for some reason they started like collecting animals along the way and then <laughs> then they went into this this mansion and like set the library on fire but then went up another floor and i was like all right you, all right like you do understand that the building is on fire I'm like yes I'm like Okay, yeah. so yeah, yeah it's uh, Dungeons and Dragons like board dude board games in general like I absolutely love, um, and it's it's yeah. awesome like and it's something for me that you know it's it's relatively new so like you growing up with them like that's a uh, like that makes me so jealous that I, <laughs> I I didn't get that like I got anime and video games so that that's right. what I grew up with, um, unfortunately. Uh, not nothing where you had to use your imagination, uh, <laughs> uh, but so. But speaking of your imagination, let's talk about your uh, new comic, The Eight. So that, yeah. uh, like, okay. So here's here's my thing. For the Eighth, I saw uh, your post. Um, I, I I think it may have been mentioned by Yuri, and because like we had Yuri on the show before, and so like I was oh, following him. Okay, I love Yuri. Yeah, he's Yuri's the voice in the animation. And he, and he's in my D and D group. Oh, well. dude, he, God, it's gonna be a fun D and D because yeah, he used to he was he did stuff on Critical Role too. Yeah, and he I did a show another show with Will Wheaton that I directed um, called Titan's Grave, and Will Wheaton was DMing uh, or, or was the game master for a, a role playing game called Titan's Grave, and Yuri was one of the four members in the cast. Oh, nice as well, and 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 I've just known Yuri for a long time, but yeah, yeah, is, so is, that's great. Is that like a geek and sundry type of thing or? Yes, okay. yes. So Geek and Sundry I've done so much work for. So all those shows, you know, Spell Singers, Force Gray, Sagas of Sundry, Tabletop. I've done I directed all those for Geek and Sundry. Oh, nice. Um so 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 with the eighth, um like so I th yeah, yeah. I, I think Yuri posted it and then I was like, Okay, I'm gonna check this out. And so then I watched the video and I was like, All right, this is like right up my alley. So can can you tell us a little bit about the eighth? Yes, yeah, so the eighth, you know, at its core right, is the story of two, it's an epic and painful story, right, of two teenagers, David Wells and Emma Adachi, who unlock a piece of like, of this ancient living armor. And then like all of us at that age, they don't know how to control the power they've got. And they end up killing someone. And 
Then they end up killing more people. They get tossed on this journey that's taking them across the globe to try and find the other pieces of the armor and other pieces of themselves. And their third friend in the group, Atticus, eventually gets pulled along with them. And so does, the first real, real quick, sorry, does Atticus become a lawyer later in life? <laughs> he does not become a lawyer. Ah, darn. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does not become a lawyer and he does not defend Burabi. But, um, but, um, sorry, literary so... joke for all of you listeners out there. That was To Kill a Mark. Oh, wow. To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Go read it. It's a great book. <laughs> yes. Um, but so, so that's it. And, and the way that David communicates with this armor is through math, right? So that's his true superpower that he was a math genius living in a small town with a mother who was troubled from his brother's suicide and had kind of abandoned raising him into her depression. And so, but he was this, he had this genius capacity with math and that's what allowed him to unlock the armor. And he actually speaks to it in math language. So you'll see in the book, it even has some of his thought bubbles are in, you'll see thermodynamic equations. Um, and it's him communicating to the armor. And um, so that's like his real power. Um, and there's this sense, you know, that, that he is this hopeful, right? Like that his math teacher in school thinks he's, she, he's the brightest kid she's ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, but that he, it, it didn't change anything for him, right? His brother still committed suicide. Bullies are still real. His mom is still an alcoholic. Nothing got fixed by his genius. And at the, his quest is like, how can I, how can I make, how can I change that? You know. And um, so he at first he has this idea. You know, once he gets the armor, is it wait? He can make the world change. And his math teacher is like, hey, listen, you can't make the world do things. And and then there's a bully at school, and he ends up beating up that bully, but because of the armor, he you know, puts them in the hospital, breaks their spine. It's way out of control, violence. But he realizes, wait, he could make the world do something different. He could stop that bully forever. And so he gets this list with his friends of the people they're going to hurt so badly they can never hurt anyone again. And um, and so, and the, then of course, they, they take that journey and Atticus, their friend, is, thinks this is a terrible idea. Emma thinks she wants to add more names to the list because she's the more troubled of the three, right? Like if Atticus is the good angel, angel Emma is the evil angel, and David is in the middle. And um, it, it soon gets uh, wild out of control to people that the damage they're doing to people. And But for a moment, the school's better, right? Kids feel safe to be around, to be geeky and to be um, the odd, the outcast because there's no bullies. And then Emma pushes it too far and she beats up this girl who was bullying her, but her boyfriend was this meth dealer in town and then they come after them with guns and then people really get killed. And, um, and you know, David has this horrible realization that you can't make the world do anything, right? Because it can, uh, it can certainly do, it can certainly come back and, um, and hurt you even worse. And so, um, and, and so then that's kind of how they leave, leave, like they leave the town in ashes, so to speak. And I think that uh, uh, then the rest of the story is them figuring out the pieces of the armor, realizing this much bigger story, right? The, 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 the mythology is, is deals with Sumerian mythology, right? Is that there were seven sages who imparted wisdom to humans. And this is the idea that there was an eighth sage right and the eighth sage's responsibility was to 
make sure that the seven didn't destroy mankind in their process of trying to improve them. And the seven sages are responsible for the flood of Noah. Okay. Right there, the earth. And so that's like the ancient mythology. And what he's found is just one little piece of this, of this, this eighth sage's armor. Um, and he's able to communicate with it because of his math skills. Um, and so as they're on this bigger quest, they're picking up the rest of the pieces. They're meeting with other factions and societies that have interest around this. And also he and Emma and Atticus are trying to resolve their own personal growing up problems. But in this violent, difficult, and now extraordinarily complex situation they put themselves in oh man dude that so it, it sounds like like blue beetle mixed with like swamp thing mixed with like death no just kind of like putting everything <laughs> together like that sounds absolutely amazing um so so you've got your your indiegogo for it um what is like what, what was what was your like what were some of your uh Jeez, like I went, I went off there. Like, what were some of your? <laughs> like, I was thinking of the word. I was like, it's not ideas. It's not like what were some of your inspirations for for the comic? Yeah, I think at the core of it is that uh, I, I had two inspirations. One is I had, I had this thought that um um that because I've spent a lot of time teaching and coaching young men in my life, and um. And there's this thought that always comes to me, you know, that when I interact with a teenager that has a lot of ambition or a lot of problems or whatever may be the case, that there is this lack of understanding of consequences, right? And, you know, in comic books, Spider-Man punches somebody and it knocks the thug across the alley. But if Spider-Man can really lift a tank, he'd have put his fist through the guy's head yeah. and he'd be dead. So the physics is a lie in that in, in spider-man right they they cheat the physics to make it bigger than it is and i said you know if somebody could could do that what happens if we didn't cheat the physics what happened then and you had real consequences and because you're a kid and you don't you don't fully understand how terrible something can become you know what would that look like and so i think that that was like that thought was what began the comic, you know, if I was, you know, when I was that age and also these boys that are this age, like, and they had this great power for sure. They would mishandle it immediately mm -hmm. and right away because they would follow urges and ideas that, <laughs> that actually are, um, have real consequences instead of Spider-Man consequences, which he can slam somebody into the wall with all his strength. And then they just go to the police station, but really they, every bone in their body would be broken and they'd, they'd be a dead person. Um, so that was the inspiration one. And then two, I've been always working with, uh, I've been looking, I should say working, I've been studying the Sumerian myths for a while and wanting to incorporate them into a show. Uh, I do a lot of myth research just because of the nature of the TV shows that I do. And, and this seemed like an impossible connection, right? Ancient Sumerian mythology and a modern teenage modern teenage kids you know um uh, but can i bring this this trio together um and um and i and hopefully I, I did it with some 
in an entertaining way that makes you want to read it and follow their journey. Um, and I, uh, and created three characters, hopefully that people can identify with in some way um, that they, I think hopefully hit the different sides of teenagers and also adults. Cause maybe there's not much difference between the two some days. Um, uh, usually it's height. That, that's pretty much <laughs> the, the, the ability to buy things that you can't uh, run a car, for instance. Uh, that's basically the only difference between children and adults these days. Right. Right. Um, um, yeah, dude, that's, that sounds awesome. Like, so, so Sumerian myths, like what about your art style? Cause your art style is, is very, is very interesting too. Cause it's not like full, like, you know, like DC comics or like Marvel comics. It's more of like a modern esque type of type of way. So like what, what, uh, how, how did your art influences get, you know, get kind of, uh, incorporated? So, yeah. So my artist is a guy named Jorn Evers who lives in the Netherlands and um, I've been, you know, art station is a site I'm on all the time. I have a love of artists, and it's one thing I love about comic books is seeing unique art. Um, ben Templesmith is one of my favorites because his art is so different. Um, and um, Jordan is somebody whose art I saw, I guess, stabbed him probably four or five years ago. And um, I hired him to do some storyboards for me, and then I hired him to do some artwork. And I just was just liked this style because it had. Um, it wasn't all the way cartoonish, yeah. and it, it still was. It was still was sexy. It still was dynamic, but it, and it wasn't all the way kiddish. But it wasn't. Um, but it, but it wasn't um, DC, right? It wasn't. Yeah, it, Batman. it wasn't like you know, big, ridiculously buff Superman, and like you right. know, like it, that. That was the thing that like kind of drew me to it because, again, it's it's almost like modern comics. Like these, these are right. comics for 2020, like for this new decade. Whereas again, if you like right. look at the, like, like I was mentioning earlier, like the George Perez comics and everything, like those are definitely styles from the eighties. Like it right. looks like an eighties comics, but this looks like a comic that like, if you were like, Oh, this, this comic came out in like 2026, I'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It comes out in 2026. Cause like just the way the right. style looks for it, it looks like a newer style. That's right, and I and I and I was trying to do that. Also, wanted to make them the characters. I think feel more vulnerable. I love that Joran brings a lot of that, and also too when he and I were working on building out the color palette and like the way we, because his art is a little cleaner than this is naturally, but we dirtied up the backgrounds. We added all these paint strokes to make it feel, uh, just to dirty it up just a bit more, so that that way you had this nice opposition of like this nice or I guess paradox of kind of violence and vulnerability mm -hmm. right where you had this thing that seemed friendly and, and you know inviting on one side you know and 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 it's one but yet kind of dark and sexy and violent on the other side which i think is very much what a teenager has two feelings oftentimes yeah, right? violence and vulnerability you know as they swing between them so that's kind of what inspired but yes the modern side i wanted to stay away from Maybe what would be considered like the Jim Lee look, who, who I, I think is you know inspired me as a kid, and I love his work. I I don't know that I'll maybe ever you know could have you know do have as much influence as Jim Lee. You know, come on, he's of the greatest ever. But I can't be Jim Lee, so I thought I would be Jordan and Adam. You know, something 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 uh, different because. Um, 
and and then hopefully, like you're saying, it's fresh and it feels like you're saying a modern comic. Yeah. Like, ha- have you have you ever thought of like doing it just as in, like, instead of doing a comic, doing it more as like an animation? Yes. Or is, uh, or is, know, that, I, or is that like know, the like the future goal? Like we get the comic out first, and you know, get a little hype for the comic, and then we go pitch it. I mean, I think there's always that hope. You know what I mean? That that the story could translate farther. Um, and I don't mean that it's that that undermines what a comic is. Like I think about Alan Moore's Watchmen, yep. his comic book, and I think about Watchmen on HBO. And I don't like Watchmen on HBO better than the comic book. In fact, I like it less than Alan Moore's comic book, right? Like I like the feelings when I walk away from watching that TV show. I don't ever think about it. Alan Moore's comic book, I think about all the time when writing and creating stuff. So I don't, I don't know that. It, it makes it better, but it's maybe a chance for more people to participate. Yeah, and that's an exciting thought. Um, and and I think for you know, and, I, and also because I'm in the film business, so I have a little bit more of a sense of control over it. Um, but um, but if it never went there, it would be enough to be this. It would be enough for somebody to say, "I read your book, and I loved it, and it touched me in some way." Um, that would certainly be enough see that's awesome so um let's talk about the uh talk about the indiegogo uh so you've got your crowdfunding um what uh what are some of your your stretch goals and everything for uh for the comic yeah so there's three tiers and one thing that i wanted to do with this campaign that i've never seen done that i've backed so many comic books and campaigns on indiegogo all my clothing everything i own practically because i think it's so fun um but um, was I because we've done five of the eight issues already? Um, you know that I've just been paying for them myself and doing all the work, and Joran's been throwing in free time, etc. I wanted to be able to release a digital issue every month after the campaign closed, so people can jump right into the story and can be talking about it and can have connection to it. And by the time we catch up with those five months, we'll finish the last few issues, so then that way we can send it off to print. You know, by the time people experience it in a digital world and then they can get the book at home. So that's one unique thing about the campaign. Um, and it will cry us working furiously. Uh, but um, so there's the monthly digital issues and that's like the intro and everybody on any of the other tiers gets it as well. And then tier two is this special hardcover edition. It's a 180 page story, by the way, it's big. It's, it would be eight comic book issues. And the first, issue is a super size it's 32 pages so it's like a and so it's a full epic story you know it's 180 pages it'll be hardcover inside of a beautiful slipcover case with uh, unique art for it and you know line art pages in the back and all of the fun stuff that you get and then also i think because when i think about having something is not only is it fun to read a comic book that you hold i think um can be more fun uh than reading it on your screen though uh, you know, and also too, there's something fun about collecting it, holding it, setting it on your coffee table, talking about it with friends when they come over that I really appreciate. I think that's one of the magics of comics is it's, it's such a disgust world, yeah. right? Like, and so it's like, hi, this sits on my table and this is a discussion I can have when people come over. Well, yeah, it's, it's like one of those, um, like, like I'm, I'm more of a DC guy than I am a Marvel guy. So whenever sure. people come over, they'll be like, oh, you like this? And be like, 
well, yes, let me show you why I like this. And I'll, like, pull out a... Yeah! A, usually, I pull out All-Star Batman and Robin, which my favorite, Jim Lee and sure. Miller, and I'm just like, I pull that out and be like, yes, look at this yeah. art and look at this story. It's amazing. I mean, it's so, I mean, it's so good, right? Yeah, so I'm like, this is why I'm a I DC mean, fan. <laughs> so it's so good i mean yeah yeah I, I totally get it right that's the fun of it and i'm you know, i think my in my heart right is like I, I think i'm an image guy over the years oh, I think yeah. that's where my invincible love my, invincible that's maybe invincible. one of my favorite like of of the indie comics like invincible definitely my favorite yeah it's what a great book right um if you haven't picked up extremity Extreme. or rumble you should okay um writing those down extremity but, and rumble okay um, but yeah, and so I feel like that with the uh, <clears throat> with the Apis, so that's the, the second tier, right? Is you get the hardcover and you get the digital issues as well, and um, but the, you get you get a piece of it to live with you. And then the third step up is you get the T-shirt, the digital, and the hardcover. And the T-shirt has this beautiful, cool, impressionistic graphic to it um, that isn't a, just a bright colored graphic tee that maybe outs you um, too far <clears throat> uh, as a geek and also has some style to it and is cool and um, and and also you know it reps your uh, your unique creativity because I think that as as fans of comics and as fans in the geek world one thing we love is we love to rep our stories our characters that we that work for us right and uh and that's why I think I love wearing the, the I love the idea of a T-shirt is because it's like, hey, I I'm rep I rep this, you know, this is one of my stories that works for me, and um, and it allows other of your friends and geeks people to be like, oh, you're in that club, yeah, I'm in that club, and or, that's such thing. Be like, what is that? And you could be like, well, funny you should ask, and then you're like, boom, hardcover comic right there. Yeah, here's my here's my club, you know, here's my uh, fandom. And so that that's so those those are the three tiers, and in the stretch goals land, there is um, once we get funded, everybody gets this cool art print that Jordan did. It's a beautiful art print. There's gonna we're gonna emboss and UV spot the hardcover book, so it'll be even more sexy and cool. Um, we have an additional twelve page mini story we're hoping to get to, and so those are the stretch goals for right now, and those are the the perks. And um, I tried to make it as accessible as possible, but also dealing with the struggles of printing and, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, quantities, you know, it's one thing if you can print, you know, five or 10,000 of something, you can get such a different price than if you only are printing 500 or something. So, um, <clears throat> but, and, and I hope, it, um, you know, it's, I know it's a crazy time right now uh, to be launching something, but I felt like it was my way to not be defeated by the virus. Yeah. Right. And it was a way to say, I'm still going to be creative. I'm still going to create my stories, um, and and just come out swinging both fists at this at this virus and and see if I can make a connection during this time. So yeah, that's the main thing. Like as long as we don't lose creativity during these times, that's that's the big thing. Is like losing the creative juices that we have. Because I mean, a lot of people. I mean, we can't go out right now. Uh, we're we're all like kind of stuck in here. Uh, it's it's hard to do a lot of things, but you can still create like, and, and you're still creating, um, which is, which is awesome. And yeah, dude, I am super stoked for the eighth. Uh, we're definitely getting, thank get you. It. So I, I think, okay, so here, here's my question. Um, 
with like Indiegogo and uh, and Kickstarter, can you do? I know on Kickstarter you can't do multiple entries. Are you guys going to allow it to where you can do like do a purchase and then at the end of the campaign, can you add to that purchase? Yeah, that's something. So there's a thing called backer kit. Yes, which is connect. Yeah, that that will reach out and like the couple of there will be a couple add-on items uh, depending on how things go. Um, but like the t-shirt is an obvious add-on item that maybe somebody got the digital um, and then say, you know, I want the t-shirt, but I don't want the hardcover because I'm, I read everything on my iPad and that's cool too. Um, and, um, and so, yes, that, that will be a possibility okay. at the end. And that's also like that back kit is where shipping charged, you know, and um, all your details will get gathered. Gotcha. Um, and they do a pretty good job. Of yeah. Like, it's like, uh, I would like to, I mean, obviously I want to have a, hardcover for my collection but i think like i want to give a hardcover away on the show so that because like i I can't do that like with with sherard's thing i had to create a whole nother kickstarter uh thing just so i could do that but i so i didn't know i i don't do a lot of stuff with indiegogo so i didn't know if i could just you know add that at purchase or if i could like do like this and this or how how it worked so yeah, there's if you want to get one and then give one, there's two ways to go about it. One is you can, you know, pick peer two, you know, tier two, and and then you can, um, you know, you can double your contribution when it, it puts in money, mm-hmm. right? You can double the contribution amount, and then when the uh, then when the backer kit comes around, anybody who's done that, it'll just give you two books. Oh, okay. Um, or the other option is is you can get one, and then, and then when back back it comes around, you can add one. okay, gotcha. You, you can add another. Either way is a fine way to do okay, it. Okay, sweet, yeah, because that that was one of the things that I was like, man, I don't understand this. Like, why doesn't it let me do like? But I mean, I I kind of understand why it doesn't let you do multiples. But at the same time, it's like, let me do multiples because I mean, I have. I, I know. I know. Like. I'm doing it for two, basically, you know, like e- everything I do on the show, it's like for two, because like one for me and one for everybody else. Right. Um, but no, dude, that's right. that sounds that sounds awesome. Um, I yeah, we're definitely going to go on this uh, and we'll put links to the Indiegogo uh, in the show notes. So all you have to do is click on that. Um, also, uh, real quick, Adam, uh, I kind of like skipped it a little bit. Yeah. Um, where can people find you social media wise? Yeah, so there's a whole pile of places. You can find me on Instagram at Gong Fu Man. That's G-O-N-G-F-U Man, like Kung Fu Man. Uh, I spent a lot of time in China, uh, and uh, not not recently, but in the past, and that was my Chinese name, uh, Kung Fu Ra. And um, so Kung Fu Man there, and then you can also find uh, me on Twitter at Twitter at Failed Superhero, and um, and Facebook also at Failed Superheroes Club. Gotcha. So yeah, and we'll put uh, yeah. Sorry, I got ahead of myself there. It's like we'll put all of your social media stuff in the show notes, so that way if they want to follow you, we'll also put the link to the Indiegogo. Um, but definitely go check out. Uh, awesome. uh, check Thank out you. the Indiegogo. Uh, check out uh, Adam's uh, Insta. Like if you don't want to, for whatever reason, if you're just on Insta first, uh, go check out his uh, like. The first thing is uh, the the eighth uh, motion comic thing. So yeah, def- definitely check that out. Like 
it's, right. and, and that's on my Insta. It's on the, it's, that's on my yeah. Insta as well, too. You can find it. Yeah, like, you, you'll read that, yeah. and that should, like, if that doesn't get you hooked to, you know, like, find more about this comic, I don't know, man. Like, there's something wrong with you. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I, thought it, <laughs> I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, definitely super excited for this. Um, Adam, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Yes. Um, yeah, happy to, happy to. Uh, sorry, I, di- I didn't ask earlier. Like, are you like, I'm more of a DC guy. Like, are you Marvel DC guy, Image guy? Like, what's your what's your cup of tea? Yeah, I think at the core of me, like, the, you know, Image is really what speaks to me now. I think that like I grew up in Marvel and DC, but then once I started to see like the magic that was happening, and it really started with Rick, you know, with with Rick Remender and Brian Vaughn and these writers and Hickman that were really just doing something so fresh. And now I, I, it's hard for me to go back. I mean, I have done, you know, the uh, the Batman, the the um, the latest, the White Mask, the the, uh, the latest, because it's awesome. But that's really kind of where I found myself. And I would say also, I found myself even in some um, uh, some bits with a uh, with AfterShock Comics has kind of done some fun stuff. And I've always loved Vertigo as well. Yeah. You know, the, you know, Swamp Thing was such a such a love of mine, but. Uh, Maybe that's too long of an answer to your simple question. I'll, oh, I'll recap yeah, yeah. it for you. No, that's that's, yeah. that's great. I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely an image guy. I think that the stories there are new and fresh and fun, and you feel like each time you open that that door of an image comic book, you get such a special world um, with new characters, with real risks and stakes. And so, uh, I think that's that's become my new my new jam. That's awesome. Yeah, well, like we've been wanting to do more comic esque type of type of podcast. Like I know we're doing like Justice July, where we're doing a bunch of like Justice League stuff, and then we've got. I don't know if we're going to call it DC Ember or if it's going to be like Dark Knight December and we do like Batman stuff. So who knows? Uh, but no, I, I definitely want to do a, a cool. comic thing. So yeah, you're, you're more than, uh, you're more than welcome to join us uh, for a nice comic podcast and we'll just nerd out about all the fun comics that we, I'm have. in, I'm in, uh, dude, Adam, again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, man. No, you're welcome. Absolutely happy, happy to be on. Oh yeah, and uh, for you know social media stuff, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast on Twitter at Animate Podcast. All of our episodes are available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website AnimationStationPodcast.com. Uh, Adam, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's let's have you on again. You know, once once the Indiegogo's done, uh, it's got about. Uh, by the time this comes out, about third more than thirty days left. So you, there's more than a month left. Uh, so yeah, definitely you know check on that. Uh, is there a thing where they can post that they've donated? Like, doesn't Indiegogo give you like absolutely. a thing where you can I, say? Yeah, absolutely. So anybody who um, backs the campaign, it would be amazing if you shared it. And even if you think it's cool, but maybe you don't want to buy it or it's not your thing or just tough times right now if you just shared it on socials or word of mouth with your friends but particularly on your socials um it would be a big help for us and uh it would mean the world so thank you for that if you would awesome awesome so uh guys uh for the animation station podcast i'm josh and i'm adam it's always it's always so much fun <laughs> to do that like it's like i'm josh and you're like I love doing it. It's it, it gives me joy in my heart. <laughs> uh, bye, everybody. <laughs>
All right, take care.